Welcome to another edition of the Boscovs Burks Jazz Fest Spotlight. And this afternoon, Gerald Veasley, none other than the world-renowned <laughs> contemporary jazz bassist, Gerald Veasley. Hi. Hey, Joe. I'm excited. Could I'm excited. Tell? Yeah. <laughs> I love being around you. You, you can, you're contagious. Your enthusiasm. I love Aww. it. I love it. Well, you know, you and I have talked to several times over That's the right. years, but it's been a while. Yep. So I'm glad to reconnect. The last time I talked to you, you had just released, um, I, I don't know which number of CD, mm-hmm. but I remember the song about putting on your Sunday best to go to church. Right, do you remember right. that? Of course. of course. You do. It's your yeah, song. that's real close. Put on your Sunday clothes. Okay. And uh, yeah, thanks for remembering that. That Great. was fun because it was one of those songs that kind of came together quickly. You know, sometimes when uh, I've recorded uh, nine recordings, nine CDs, and sometimes the songs you labor over the most don't work. And the ones that just kind of... Uh, What's the word? They kind of come out of nowhere, out of your imagination, they, and they, they don't take effort to record. They turn out the best, and that was one of those. They were meant. It was meant to be that. It was meant to be. And, you know, the other thing about that song, it came out of my experience of uh, growing up in a household where there was blues and soul and gospel music. Uh-huh. I think I told you my uncle Ira Tucker was lead singer of the legendary group, the Dixie Hummingbirds. That's right. That's right. And so they were one of the early um, gospel quartet groups. And they had a very unique sound. So what I was trying to do in that recording, put on your Sunday clothes, was imitate the sound of those voices that I heard growing up. That's a really um, natural, spiritual, kind of organic grassroots sound. And maybe that's what captured me. It was like, it Mm. it just, it speaks to you. It's like, yeah. Yeah, maybe so. Right there. Put them on. (laughs) Yeah. So that was, with that background, gospel, blues, Mm -hmm. how did you, obviously you were surrounded Mm -hmm. by Beautiful music in, in which much music finds its foundation. Right. How did you gravitate to contemporary jazz and why is it contemporary? That's a tough one. That's a great question. So some of the earliest jazz records that I heard growing up in Philadelphia, um, they were more of the straight ahead genre. Miles Davis's classic record, Kind of Blue. Um, even the songs, uh, records like uh, Ornette Coleman's Shape of Things to Come, which was this very modern uh, jazz record. Um, bebop recordings by people like Thelonious Monk. But in some ways, those the, even though as a kid I liked the sound of what I heard, it was still mysterious to me. So I think I was first drawn by the mystery of jazz. I, I liked it, but I couldn't really understand it. It was something about it that was almost in, impenetrable. Whereas when I got into music by uh, Wes Montgomery, George Benson, the more contemporary sounds, Grover Washington Jr., much later, I kind of heard the connection between the soul music that I grew up with Mm. and what jazz was. Mm -hmm. So I think my music that I create create today has elements of both. Hopefully it has some mystery. Hopefully it has emotion and has some of those soulful elements, too. Which makes it, you know, for the for the person who loves jazz, but also for the person who's new to the art form. And there are a lot who are new, and I think Boscow's mm-hmm. Burke's Jazz Fest does a fantastic job introducing yes, it does, people it does. to the genre and, yeah. and helps keep it alive. I have to ask you, and I might have asked before, but you growing up mm-hmm. in that musical atmosphere, you could just play, or did you always study? No, the requirement when I got my instrument was I had to study. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, my father didn't want to waste a b- a money on an instrument, 
without me taking Good it seriously. Yeah. Good for him. He said, you, one thing, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it right. You're going to take lessons. So I would, you know, every Saturday go down and take lessons with the, at the local music store uh, with a guitar player, actually. They didn't have a bass teacher. Uh, his name was Al Martin. He was a fabulous guitar player. I would sit outside the room listening to the other students before I would play and hear these wonderful guitar players. So I play the six-string bass which is increasingly more and more a popular instrument. Typically, the bass was always a four-string instrument. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I gravitated toward this instrument that I play because of loving that guitar and hearing the guitar and growing up and seeing guitar players on television. But my personal voice is a deeper sound, my musical voice. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of a blend of those things. But, yeah, getting back to what your real question was about the training, I had to really take it seriously and I went and I took classical guitar lessons later on um, I studied some jazz piano but I never intended to study to become a musician a professional musician what was your intent well um, so I went to the University of Pennsylvania where mm-hmm. I, I, I went there as um, a political science major with the idea that Poli-sci. I would be, yeah I thought <laughs> you know I'll be you know a uh, diplomat. Yeah, something or, you know, a Perry Mason. Yeah, okay. You know, and I would go down to, to the to the Court of Common Pleas and watch court cases. And, t- and, you know, I was on this track. And my dad died in my junior year. And I went to this, um, you know, this very sad period, obviously. Um, and the only thing that brought me out of it, the only thing that meant anything was music. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I, got, I, I understood as I got some healing that what music really meant in listening to music and playing music in practicing and just my relationship with my instrument I understood what music really is you're begging the question mm-hmm. Gerald mm-hmm. so what would you say it means well I think music is something that is so powerful in terms of being a healing force mm. um a few years ago, I had the good fortune of going to Africa with some friends of mine as part of a, a mission group. It's called um, Covenant Mercies, and they work mm-hmm. with children in Africa who have been orphaned through AIDS in Zambia, Ethiopia, and Uganda. And a, and a friend of mine who was a member of this particular church invited me to do some fundraisers. And one day she said, wouldn't it be fun if we actually went to Africa and s- met some of these children and see some of the work that's being done? And um, another part of this was that another member of the ensemble, John Blake, who's a violinist who was actually part of the very first Boscovsburg's Jazz Fest. Unfortunately, he passed away last summer. Um, But he was a part of this group, too. And he was doing a lot of research on the spirituals and tracing the roots of the spirituals back to Africa. So there are all these rich components to this trip. The music, the spirituals themselves, the mission the spirituality of it. And the music you grew up with. And the Is music that? I grew up with. So all of it was, was there. Uh, but as we were going into these villages, um, I realized the, the ironic thing was that normally you know, people who come, they're coming with something tangible. They're coming with oh. medicine. They're coming mm-hmm. with food. Clothing. They're coming with supplies, clothing. We were just coming with the music. But listen, and you just said just. I, I didn't mean to minimize it. Yeah. What I'm trying to say is that we were coming with something that's not, not tangible. tangible, but something that has a healing power and something that, we're, that people could connect with, right? Even if it wasn't music that they directly grew up with, they understood. And sometimes we could communicate 
through the music where mm-hmm. we couldn't communicate verbally with each other. And it's something they, they're going to have forever. And it's something The I food forever. goes away. The, whatever right. you bring, it's, it right. has a finite life. That's right. Music goes yeah. forever. And the other thing that I, I began to understand about the music that I grew up with, which is heavily connected with the church and the spirituals, is that the music itself doesn't necessarily solve a problem, mm-hmm. but sometimes it will quiet you quiet your mind, quiet your soul long enough for you to be able to cope and mm-hmm. to deal with it and wait till deliverance really comes in the form that is really, really powerful and permanent. Wow. But in the meantime, the music can kind of set up an atmosphere for you to receive what it is that you really need. So I'm conscious of that even when I'm playing a contemporary jazz performance, that it's not just music, but that if when I step out in the audience, there are people who assemble there who have all sorts of things going on that I may not know specifically, but I'll know generally that there are people sitting there who are going through divorce mm-hmm. or an illness or cancer or losing a loved one. And for a, an hour or hour and a half, they want that music to do something to enhance their lives so that they can deal with the rest of life. Perhaps it lets them sit that backpack down yeah for an hour and a half that's a great way and, to say and soak it. that up yeah it'll be there for them to pick up but maybe it's yeah. a little bit lighter yeah after the music i like to think so yeah that is beautiful mm. that is that is what music is with your being this busy and this committed and dedicated to everything that you're doing i mean you at at times have hosted your own radio show on a, a variety of formats you mm-hmm. still teach at the university of the arts you travel you write you um, produce and compose. Mm. What is it that makes you take time out for Boscov's Burke's Jazz Fest? Because mm. it is also a time commitment. Yeah. Well, I love the Jazz Fest because of um, just the people who are here, the mu- both the musicians who come in once a year, but a lot of the folks who have become friends through the year, like yourself, and people that I get to see. I mean, there is a real connection there that kind of, you know, it, it's it's affirming and helps fuel the other things. Mm-hmm. Um, How much is education, the education component of the, the Jazz Fest, uh, important to you? Yeah, it very much so. Uh, we started the Ber- uh, the base boot camp, yeah, which has yeah, been yeah. going on for 14 years now. We started as part of the Jazz Fest. If it hadn't been for Jazz Fest, we wouldn't have known how to actually run a camp. Um, and we wouldn't have had the... There wouldn't be one. There wouldn't be one. Mm-hmm. So that's been very important. And, and meeting some of the young students who actually have come up through the school system here, who've come and taken my program, all of that's fantastic. I love teaching. And the thing I love about teaching not just um, young students, but more of the seasoned students, too, because our base boot campers are typically 40-somethings, 50-somethings, 60-somethings, right? So it's not too late for me. woo No, you're right. <laughs> You're right at the low end. So I oh, mean, bless you. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's for folks who are kind of going through that second childhood. Yep. You know, they've raised their families, they've had their careers, and they've done all these things uh, to kind of push the um, what they were supposed to do in yep. life forward. Now they can do themselves. Now they can do themselves. And so that's our typical student. So what I get out of that is I get to see people um, – doing what they love the most. I get to see that every time we do a a base boot camp. I get to see people who are going back to their first love 
and also getting out of their comfort zones because right. many of them, right. you know, they haven't played a bass before. Some are seasoned and experienced, but others, it's their first time playing in front of an audience and they're getting up there. You can see them trembling, but they do it. That takes That's so much courage. Milestone. It's a huge milestone. Yeah. Could you imagine? You know? Yes, I usually mess up when I get to again. <laughs> <laughs> That's powerful. Yeah. You you certainly are a blessing not only to the fest, but just with your music and your recognition of what that is and the power of it and the way you share it. And thank you for sharing oh, your time right here with well, us. Thank on the you People for Chronicles. having me. This has been awesome. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And you'll be back for the Jazz Fest, I'm sure, right? I'll be back. I'll be, Can't in, keep me I'll away. be in the audience. <laughs> thank you, Gerald. Thank you. Hi, this is Gerald Veasley. Make sure you check out the People Chronicles. You would not want to miss a single episode. You can like us on Facebook. That's a good way to do it. And make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. That's the People Chronicles. See you soon.